Hello, my friends, and welcome back to the Deeper Daily Podcast for this 12th day of May. Uh, We begin a conference this evening in Floyd's Knobs, Indiana. That's right across the river from Louisville, Kentucky. I'll be ministering uh, with my friend Jamie Englehart this week. You can get details for this at our website, paulwhiteministries.com slash schedule, or the events on our Facebook page, Paul White Ministries. If you're in the area this weekend, love to see you. There's registration for the conference. Uh, There is not a registration fee for the Sunday morning. We'll be at the host church uh, closing things out. So pray for us this weekend as we deliver good news. I'm really looking forward to this. It should be a great time to meet some fellow ministers and some believers, share some good news, and have good news poured into us as well. It's always a good time. I'm in 1 Timothy chapter 1. We've arrived, or are arriving, I should say, at the famous chiefest of sinners passage where Paul calls himself the chief sinner or the foremost of sinners. That's famous in 1 Timothy 1.15. But to get us there, we're actually in verse 12. I want to show you how Paul describes himself. He gives some gratitude for the mercy of God, glory to God for the grace that God extends to him. But notice what he says about himself in the former. I am grateful to Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has strengthened me because he judged me faithful and appointed me to his service. Even though I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and a man of violence, but I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief. I want to slow down there and I want to go back and show you something. I'm reading to you from the NRSV. Let me read it to you from the New King James. Verse 13, I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent man, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And that insolent man, a little closer, uh, the NRSV gets a little closer in that it, it calls him a man of violence. But I like the Greek reference is a little tighter with the word arrogant thrown in there. I was a violently arrogant man. Now, this is an impressive description of yourself. To be able to see this about yourself means you've had your eyes opened to a new you and you've had your eyes closed to an old you. To have been violently arrogant, to have been a blasphemer and a persecutor, and then to have the grace of Jesus exceedingly abundant extended to you. The ability to spot that to me is spiritual growth. If you can spot that you have been or that you could be a blasphemer, a persecutor, or violently arrogant, insolent man, well, that means you're growing. But let me also say this. There seems to be a, and maybe I'm just in this rabbit hole version of Christianity. I I hope I am, honestly. Um, But there seems to be an infatuation with arrogance. I think we are a, a little bit confused about leadership and churches and pastors and authority. We get kind of turned on by people who are arrogant, people who we, we conflate it with hold your head high, your shoulders back, your chest out, move through life like you know what you're doing. 
we honor arrogance in a way that is I, I'm a little worried about, a little disturbed. Sometimes we call it boldness, and we I, I guess I'm a little more sensitive to this because I remember coming up in church churches where boldness was the number one quality, supposed number one quality of the anointing. Whenever preachers talked about the anointing in my circle coming up, boldness is what they bragged about. No one bragged about servanthood. No one bragged about meekness, but they bragged about boldness. They go, man, he's so bold. Oh, go, go hear this guy. There's a boldness. There's a holy boldness about him. And boldness, for the most part, was meanness. People just, they were, they were rude and crude and aggressive and hard and harsh. And if they did it with just a little twinkle in their eye or they stuck the name of Jesus behind it, they could almost get by with anything. And there's an inherent danger in anything described as you can almost get by with anything. When that description is on you, then there's a danger that's its probably not even a hidden danger. It's pretty obvious if we'll open our eyes. I find it interesting, and I truly find it interesting, that Paul was able, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, to recognize his violent arrogance. And I hope that if there is any violent arrogance in me, that I will recognize it in, in me, or at least recognize that it is vanishing from me, as did the Apostle Paul, and I have recognized it. And I will say, I don't think it's been a calling card for me for a long time. Um, and I hope it's never again. But there was a time when I would have been equally infatuated, as I see people being now, by violent arrogance. And I don't just mean boldness. That's I just spent time telling you that's a big part of it. But there is almost this enjoyment about violence too, at least if we can put the adjective godly in front of it. Godly violence. Um, godly retribution. And I don't think you can put the word godly in front of violence. And I, I know I could be taken to task for that, but I don't think it's the heart of our Father. I don't know where you should land with this today. I don't know if you should get to the end of this podcast and go, oh man, I, I, I see violent arrogance in me. But I will say this, if you do get to the end of this and you see violent arrogance in you, then go meet Jesus on the road to Damascus and let that part of you go. And if you get to the end of this and you say, I don't know what Paul White's talking about. I don't, I don't think there is any violent, or I don't think there's any arrogance in the pulpit. Well, then I'm going to say this. I hope you're right and praise God you are. Maybe I need to stop looking where I'm looking. I'll concede that. More from 1 Timothy 1 tomorrow. See you then. God bless.